The reading this morning will come from James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Good morning. I appreciate everyone being here this morning. Those who are visiting, you are especially welcome to be with us. I love those songs. We've been practicing, Lord, I lay my life at your feet, and it's been stuck in my head, and I've been just, I love that song so much. So I uh, kind of sent chills through my body as we sang it. Uh, so I really appreciate that. Um, appreciate God is so good. Just didn't realize how well I knew that song until we started singing it. Uh, I knew it, knew it pretty well, so I uh, appreciate that as well. Uh, we're going to be in James chapter 5 this morning. You're, you want to get out your Bibles and turn there. That's pretty much the only text that we're going to be uh, studying from as, as normal. Uh, and we've been studying through James, and we're getting near the end now. Now we're getting kind of into the conclusion section of the book. So I'm uh, looking forward to uh, seeing what James has to say at the end. We've been struggling through this book, right? I mean, this is a, this is a crushing book. This is a book that uh, really beats us up and, and, and tears apart all of our, you know, feelings of pride and, and arrogance about how good a Christian we are. We really, uh, very much like the Sermon on the Mount, are exposed uh, and, and laid bare as we, as we read this. So uh, hopefully you're, you're appreciating that and hopefully you're soaking it up, right? As Christians, we don't consider ourselves having become perfect yet, but we look forward to the day when we'll be made perfect. Uh, and we know that Jesus is working in our lives to sanctify us, to make us more and more like him. And that's our mission. That's our goal, uh, to be like him so that all the world around us can see his glory. Uh, as we come to the topic of the text this morning, uh, certainly a text that I needed and, and maybe a text that you also have needed. Maybe you're, you're pretty patient in many areas of your life. Uh, but certainly there's some area in your life that, that the patience is, is a struggle. Um, you, know, you ever been at the grocery store and in that long line and uh, you, you see the other long lines and they just start to diminish and you just think, okay, I should probably hop over into those lines and then you know as soon as you do it, that line's going to diminish and your line's going to get stuck, right? I mean, that's the impatience, red lights, impatience. Um, you know, at, at fast food places sometimes, impatience. Last week we were eating at a place and um, ordered, decided to use the mobile app. I was going to be real smart, you know, use my mobile app and get the reward. And it took an extra 20 minutes beyond what they estimated. 
And uh, whenever it was finally up there, the lady was, uh, she just, she, she helped with this tray that was done, and then this tray that was done, and then mine was the third, and then, oh, there was more trays. So then she went back to this one, and then she went to that one, and, and then there were more trays. I was like, man, please get that one. I'm going to go crazy. Uh, I don't think I can wait that long. Uh, I've been waiting 20 minutes, and that one sat there for the last five minutes, and, and I've just watched it. So uh, we all struggle with patience. I, I, I uh, maybe more than most, really struggle with patience. Uh, I, I'm a, I like to be efficient. I like to get things done. Uh, I, I rush my kids around, bless their hearts. Um, you know, we can be very, very impatient. But as we read the text that we're reading this morning, uh, this is about patience, about the Lord coming, and about dealing with our struggles in this life. This is a bigger patience. This is taking into account all that James has been saying to us about ourselves that we've been seeing we're broken in, you know? After giving us this huge long list of all the things that we're doing wrong, we might start to think, well, I'll never get there. I might as well just give up. And here at the end, James says, be patient. Be patient. So in a way, this is a little bit of encouragement. It's, it's telling us that we need to do something we're not very good at, and we'll talk about and, and kind of dissect that. But it's also giving us a little bit of encouragement to just be patient. Hang on. Don't give up. Um, we see in, in verse 1, he says, or verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. James tells us to be patient, and that's hard. Uh, waiting is hard, right? We're all just tired of waiting. We're so tired of waiting that we're constantly creating technology to eliminate the wait. The mobile app I just talked about, it's all about eliminating the wait. Uh, everything is getting faster, right? We buy the new computers because they're faster. We're trying to eliminate the distractions that, that keep us from doing the things that we really want to do. We're trying to get to those things as quickly as possible, and, and our culture is really wired for this. We want instant gratification. We want it all. We want it now, and, and we're going to get upset the longer we have to wait. Our internet uh, is, is a telltale sign. If you're on a website and it takes longer than two seconds to load, you think something's broken and ready to throw the keyboard, I mean, we, we, we flip out. So as we, as we see, we all deal with this. What is at the root of this? What is the problem? What's going on? Well, waiting exposes a vulnerability that's inside of us. This is fascinating to just think about. Waiting exposes a vulnerability that's inside of us that we can't force something to happen. We're anxious because we want something to happen at a certain point in time, and we're not okay if it doesn't happen at that point in time because we expected it. Our expectations are that this would happen at that point in time. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm upset, and I want to make it happen at that time. And, and now maybe I've been, I've been made to look like a fool because maybe I said that it would happen at this time, and it didn't happen at this time. Maybe I made all my plans and all my arrangements around this event taking place at this time, and now I see it can't or it won't, and I don't understand why. 
This is the way it is with everything that we wait for. That we get impatient about. We want it to happen now. And sometimes it won't. And we're afraid we're made to look like fools as a result. So what should we do about it? What should we do about it? Uh, what do you want to happen? What do you want to happen? You want, uh, you want to get married? You, wanna, uh, you want the church to just explode and, and grow in number, an imag- unimaginable number? Uh, you, know, you want that job. You want that promotion. What do you want to happen? How are you going to handle waiting for that to happen? Maybe you want your loved one to be converted, to believe the truth. How are you going to handle waiting for that to happen? I'll give you the hint. As we look at this text and we continue, we need faith in God working. You see, the problem with our, our struggle with impatience, it, it reveals a lack of faith, a lack of trust that God is working behind the scenes. We have to give time for God to work. Think about what he says here. As the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains, you also be patient. You don't go outside and plant a seed and make it grow. Any more than you uh, bring a child in this world and make it mature. I mean, you can try. You can, you can do everything in your power to make that child grow up as fast as they possibly can, but it ain't going to happen overnight. Uh, and you're just not going to see the speed that you, that you desire. And so you have to wait. And as you're planting the seed and you're maybe weeding it and, and you've tilled the soil to prepare for it, and maybe you're even providing water, but you're, you're ultimately the growth and the germination of that seed into a plant that produces fruit is completely out of your control. You can yell at it. You can jump and run and dance and do all kinds of things to try to make it happen, but it's ultimately out of your control. The child is out of your control. At the end of the day, they get to decide those kinds of things, what they're, how they're going to mature and what they're going to do. At the end of the day, it's out of our control. And we have to wait. And we have to believe that God is working on the inside, in the unseen, to establish something, to create something. And so we have to believe that. And so James says, establish your heart. And he says this twice, for the coming of the Lord is at hand or until the coming of the Lord. Uh, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. What does this mean to establish your hearts? Like, what does that mean? That's a phrase, right? That Maybe we hear and we just say, oh, yeah, establish your hearts. And we don't really think much about it. But to establish your heart is to anchor it, isn't it? I mean, it's to anchor your heart, to, to anchor your desires in something that is immovable, okay? So to anchor your desires in something that is immovable versus anchoring your desires in something that is tossed around like the waves of the sea. If you, if you establish your heart in fame, if you establish your heart in money, if you establish your heart in success, you are not anchored. You will be tossed here and there. He says you need to establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. You need to establish your heart in the Lord, in God, the one who is immovable, the one who is trustworthy. 
as the farmer can't see what's going on inside of the dirt, so we can't see what's going on behind the scenes of whatever it is that we're waiting for. That farmer has his heart fixed on a vision of what will be, but he's, he's, and he's struggling to see that, but he just knows that's going to happen, and he's not sitting there, you know, really anxious and upset because he doesn't see anything yet. He knows what's going to happen. He knows the process, and he trusts the one who is in control. He knows he's not in control, and he trusts the one who is in control. And so we have to be careful that we're not consumed by the tension of waiting to see progress, waiting to see fruit get produced in the works that we're doing, waiting to see the transformation happen within us. As we've seen in James, the tongue is still giving you problems, isn't it? It's still a problem, I'm sure. Uh, you, You have still struggled with desires that are in this world, aren't you? No? You got it? Great. That's great. I'm so super excited for you. Um, still struggling here, though, okay? Uh, so, so what are you going to do? You hadn't seen the full change yet. What are you going to do in the tension of waiting for that to happen? You're going to trust that God is working. And you're going to look forward to the day when the fruit happens, when the Lord comes. Now, The Lord is coming, we think about that phrase typically as the end of the world, right? We think about it typically as when we're called up into heaven and we receive the treasure, and that could very well be what James is talking about here. Or it could be that God is working, that the Lord coming represents God bringing the the help that you need in whatever the situation is. Establish your heart because God's coming. God's bringing help. God's working. Believe it. Trust it. Know it. This is a promise that God has given us in Jesus. I am with you. I am seeing and hearing and knowing everything about your life. I know all the intimate details of every situation you're going through right now, and I care. And I am able to work in those things if you ask, if you seek, if you knock. Establish your hearts. The Lord is coming. Then he says something that seems a little bit different, but it's a perfect explanation of what we'll do instead of establishing our hearts. Look at verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. He says, do not grumble against one another. You know, whenever something doesn't happen the way that we want it to, or whenever something takes longer to happen than it should, we get pretty upset about that. I mean, we're vulnerable, right? We're, we, we don't have control, and, and we want it to happen. So how can we make it happen? I know what I'll do. I'll use my tongue to make it happen. How's that going to work? We resort to complaining when things get tough. When we're hung out to dry, waiting for the rains to come on the seeds that we've planted, we start complaining. We start grumbling. 
You know, the children of Israel did that throughout their time in the wilderness. They're just grumbling, they're complaining. And you know what grumbling and complaining does? It reveals that inside of you, there is a, a stubborn and rebellious heart. That inside of you, there is a lack of faith, a lack of trust. And, and, and as we live our lives waiting for something to happen and upset about the things that aren't happening, as the mouth starts to open and to reveal what's in our heart, grumbling and complaining might often come out. We get discontent. And whenever we do that, we need to understand what's happening. James says, don't do that, okay? And, and the re what's really happening is, inside of us, we're thinking, I know better, and I deserve better. God, if I were you, I would have done it this way. I don't know why you haven't done it this way yet, but if I were you, I would have done it this way, and I'm wondering, what's going on here? Why hadn't you done it this way? So grumbling and complaining is ultimately aggravation at God. And he says here, you're grumbling and complaining against one another. Well, you know, a lot of times whenever we want something to happen, uh, we're, we're relying on other people to help make that happen. A lot of times as we're wanting something to happen, we like to point a finger to somebody else because we're vulnerable, we feel like we're guilty, and we think pointing a finger at somebody else will make us less guilty and, and allow the suffering to be shared with the other people. And ultimately what we're doing is we're just we're, we're rebelling against God. It seems like we're just fighting with each other. But James, notice he says, the judge is standing at the door. He says, don't grumble that you may not be judged. The judge is standing at the door. God doesn't see this and think, oh, well, that's an issue between them. I'll stay out of it. He sees this and he says, no, you're supposed to love your brother. You're not supposed to tear him down. You're not supposed to grumble and complain against them. You're supposed to love them. And in all your impatience and in all your worrying and anxiety about how things haven't been done yet, I was sitting here trying to do something for you, but now you're guilty of judgment and condemnation. And you see how James is, is bringing up that this is, this is not good. Whenever we grumble, whenever we complain, we're revealing an evil heart. And more than that, we're spreading a toxic, toxic chemical. It's contagious, and it spreads are grumbling and complaining because things aren't the way that we think they should be, starts to spread. And before you know it, everybody's upset. Everybody's arrogantly basically saying, I know the way things should be, and God, why hadn't you made it this way? I know how you should be over here, brother, and I, I think you should be doing it this way, and I'm mad at you for that, and I'm going to tear you down until you get it right. It's toxic. And it destroys. But there's an antidote. There's an antidote. Your grumbling and complaining can be solved. It can be fixed. I've made huge strides in this area. <laughs> Gratitude is an antidote. Being grateful 
seeing the bright side, seeing the good things that God has done for you, seeing the good, the good in the people around you and understanding how they're trying, they're working toward the right direction, the right goal, looking at what they are doing that's good instead of constantly judging them for not doing the things that you believe they should be. Instead of saying, I know the way things should be, you look at how much God has done and you say, thank you, God. Look at these workers over here. Man, they're working so hard. They're devoting their lives to you. Look at all these who are weaker growing spiritually. They're not nearly at the level that, that, that I want them to be, but man, wow, how far they've come. But also there should be another antidote, humility. Whenever we grumble, whenever we complain, we're revealing pride in our hearts tell you, this is something that's hard to see, but it's there. You don't think yourself a, pride, a proud person? If you grumble or complain, you're proud. You're proud. And the antidote to the grumbling and complaining is having humility, thinking less about yourself, thinking more about other people. You know, that person who doesn't do all the things that you feel like they should, you know, you're not living in their situation. You're not dealing with what they're dealing with. You weren't brought up in, in the bring, upbringing that they had, and you haven't faced the decisions they've faced. You haven't experienced life or, or learned the truth to the level that they've learned it. And you don't understand a lot of the things that they're doing in their life because you don't see or know. And so why be proud and arrogant and judge your brother when all that's really going to do is result in you being judged? We have to be understanding of each other. I'm reminded of Peter in 1 Peter saying, uh, live with your wife in an understanding way, lest your prayers be hindered. God desires for us to be understanding. If there's no understanding of each other and patience with each other, then the relationship between us and God is broken. And a lot of times as we, as we live life and we deal with different struggles to be patient we just have to see that we don't understand. We don't understand why things are the way they are. We don't understand why, think, why things have not progressed to the speed or the level that we want them to. Uh, but we have to trust God that he knows what he's doing and that he's working. Because we ask him to. Because we pray about it and we, we desire it and we're working toward it. We are weeding, we are watering, we're trying to get that seed to germinate and to become something. But if it's not happening, we just have to trust that God knows why. And that God can bring something out of this if he desires. And ultimately, my, my fruit and my reward is not based on the, the, the results, you know, and, and this is what he goes to. Remember the prophets? Remember the prophets? Think about them a little bit. Think about Isaiah. Isaiah was told, you're going you're gonna to speak and they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to listen to anything you have to say. <laughs> How do you like that? All your work, you're just constantly looking for them to listen and to, to pay attention to the things you're saying. No, they're not going to listen or pay any, any attention. Elijah, you know, he's, he's doing everything he can. Man, these great works and miracles are happening in front of all these people. And, and what do they do? 
completely ignore it and then try to kill Elijah. Uh, And the same happens with Jeremiah and Ezekiel. These prophets in their lifetime, they didn't see results. They worked their uh, lives trying to bring about a turn, a repentance of God's people, and no one listened to them. No one changed. No one paid attention. Everybody was just ignoring them. But how fruitful are they? You see, God had a plan for their work to have an impact forever. And as we open up and we read their stories, their work is is seen in us. The measure of their work wasn't realized whenever they lived, but it was realized later on. And you see how the focus that we must have is the focus of the prophets. That the work we do, we may not see any results, any in our lives, but we're trying to prepare for whatever God has in store, knowing and trusting that he's going to use us as he wills. And so we need to be more like them. They endured all of the struggles and the sufferings. Some of them were sawn in half. Maybe Isaiah was sawn in half. I mean, they endured all kinds of rejection and and sufferings because they believed. They were patient and they trusted that God would be faithful. So we learn a lesson from the prophets that having hope is not an easy thing. You know, we like to put the pretty things on the wall, faith, hope, love, uh, you know. Hope is not an easy thing. Hope is not an easy thing. Okay? So don't just think lightly about hope. Okay? Hope is not easy. Hope is something that's difficult. If you're going to hope in something, it's something you do not see but has been promised to you. And in this case, what we're hoping for, the rest of the world around us is going to tell us it'll never come. Give up on it. Look at all these things that you can have right here, right now. Why don't you take those instead of waiting around for God to come and do what he has promised? Our impatience hurts us. Our impatience spoils the things that we're doing. Fear, doubt, desires, they're all going to pop up in our lives. If we become so now-focused... All these things are going to pop up inside of us, and they're going to tempt us to try to take control, to try to fix everything ourselves. And if we try to do that to a seed, can you imagine this? You go out to your garden, the seed hasn't popped up yet, you really want to know, is anything happening? Okay, got to dig it up, pull the seed out and look at it, nope, not yet, and then you bury it. That seed's never going to grow. We've ruined it. We've ruined it. Our impatience can completely ruin God's work. Whenever we give up too soon because we can't see and we want to fix and we want to correct and we want to change, we're ruining God's work. Whenever we hurry up things, we're missing out on the good that happens as we wait. This is what he gets into in the next part. He says, first of all, remember the prophets. Second of all, also remember Job. You know, with the prophets, behold, we consider those who remain blessed, who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job. You've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Think about Job for a second. 
What happened in Job's life is an amazing image of what happens when we wait. The suffering came pretty quick at first, and he was willing to endure it, and he was, he was ready. He was more faithful than anybody. We'd have looked at Job and said, there is nothing uh, worthy of blame in this man. He is blameless, and he is right, and he is good, as good can be. But you let that suffering last. You make him wait for the suffering to end. And he kind of falls apart, doesn't he? You know, we need perseverance. We need perseverance. Even the best of us need perseverance as things go bad. And so what can fuel our perseverance? This is what he tells us here. Uh, you've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. Notice that Job had uh, revealed to him that God is faithful. That God will come at the end whenever he has decided and he will save and he will redeem and he will restore. And God had a purpose in the suffering. He's sitting there wondering, where are you, God? Why hadn't you fixed all of this? Why hadn't you made everything right? Why don't you show these people who are condemning me that I'm innocent? And God said, I had a purpose. As Job came to that realization, okay, I did not realize that you are so great. I repent in dust and ashes. He recognized God's purpose to reveal that he is with Job and his people even in the midst of tremendous suffering. And that the suffering is able to bring about something very beautiful. You see, Job grew in the suffering. And that's what, that's what happens. Waiting patiently for something to, to, to change, it develops our character. In Romans 5, Paul said, suffering uh, results in endurance. Endurance results in character. Eventually we get to a, a greater character within ourselves, and that's exactly what Job needed. Uh, Job needed to trust God was there, that he was good, he saw all these things happening, he was still with Job, and that he was able to bring about a reward for faithfulness. And so trust is extremely important. Trust is what makes hope possible. It's the antidote of impatience. You got grumbling, well, the antidote is gratitude and humility. You got impatience, the antidote is trusting in God. We have to learn to trust that God sees and knows everything and that he can work in the midst of our suffering. So, as you read through this text, you see God's desire is for us to be patient. And as you're living your life, you're going to have a lot of instances where you're waiting for something to happen I don't know what that, what that thing is that you're waiting to happen. Maybe it's, again, a spouse. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's uh, just a, a loved one to turn back to God or to turn to God for the first time. Whatever it is that you're waiting to happen, establish your hearts in the immovable reality of God's grace and his love and compassion and mercy to you. Establish your hearts in the, rea the realization that whether or not this thing happens or it doesn't happen, God is still good and he's still with you. 
and that he's working behind the scenes in ways that you don't understand. Be very careful not to grumble, not to be so arrogant to think that you know more than your brother or that you know more than God. Uh, Be very careful not to be a complainer who lacks gratitude and humility. And remember the prophets. Remember that God made those promises to those prophets and he brought them to fulfillment in Christ so that we can enjoy eternity with God. And remember the purpose of God in the trial is to bring about a refining, a development, a character inside of us. The patience is showing that you believe that and that you trust that God is working. I don't know what kind of trials you're going to go through in life. Maybe physical pain and suffering that is unimaginable to me. But in whatever it is, You have to believe that God has not turned against you. He is still with you. And he may be giving you an opportunity to glorify him in a way that we have never imagined or experienced. On Wednesday night, Kim brought up Matthew Basford. Uh, He's a a songwriter who has written some amazing songs that we've sang. And, and he had Lou Gehrig's disease, and he's been struggling with, he had been struggling with that for over a year. And, and so much suffering that he's going through. And, and he completely opened up and was vulnerable and let everybody understand what he was going through in life. And he's writing articles and he's revealing it all, but the whole time he's trusting that God can use this to glorify himself. I don't know what you're going through right now. But whatever it is, God can use this to bring about his glory. And it will result in fruit for you that is eternal, uh, an eternal reward. If you'll trust him, he knows what he's doing. If you're here this morning and you've not received the grace that God has offered you, you're not laying up treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. You can make a change today. You can receive the mercy and grace that he offers you, and you can begin to live for God. If there's something that you need to do, will you please help us understand whatever that is uh, so that we can help you? If you, want, if you know what you need to do, you can come forward today, and we can, we can help you in any way that, that you need. Um, and if you need study or you need someone to talk to, my doors are always open. Just let me know when. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this helps you. If anybody has any need, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.